Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 36 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a black perspective. We are very glad you are joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and small group coaching and one-on-one coaching to independent writers and creative and solo professionals. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking Substack publication, you can access the podcast through the website, on our app, or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard-Owens, and I am one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Good to be here once again. Okay, before we start, I want to wish everyone a happy Black History Month, since this is our first podcast for February. And my niece posted a meme on, a statement on Facebook that said, slavery is white history. How we survive slavery is black history. I thought that was very, thought that was very deep. For my niece to put, there's a difference between, because black history and our history or African American history did not start with slavery. Okay. So that's what I wanted to say to start with uh, Black History Month. So today we're going to talk about two, we have two related topics. One is the hypocrisy of the Republicans and the other is the truth about, about the debt ceiling. Now we know, we have known for a long time, especially in the last several years about how the how hypocritic the Republicans are when it comes to programs and policies and, and their way of governing. Actually, the Republicans have no po- 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 policies, no programs, no desire to actually even govern, govern. And part of their problem, oh, well, in the last couple of years, they've gotten mad about emissions coming from gas stoves that might impact people who have asthma anyway. They've gotten mad about Mr. Potato Head. They gotten mad about Dr. Seuss books, especially the ones that the doc, that Dr. Seuss's own estate decided to take off out of uh, circulation. They got, and re- most recently they are mad because the characters for the M&M's candy, one of the characters who's supposed to be a female character was predict, uh, depicted with high heels. Well, they took off her high heels and put her in tennis shoes and they are totally upset about that. They say that's Eminem company being woke by making this female Eminem person less, less sexy looking to them. So because they have no policies and no programs, all they have is, re- is revenge governing, if, they, if you can call that governing. And their problem is before the midterms, they were talking about inflation and gas prices and this and that. Unfortunately for them, the agenda of the Biden administration has had the most successful two years of any president in, in recent memory. Uh, number one, record 12 million jobs have been created. Number two, 800,000 manufacturing jobs have been created in the United States in just the past two years, and most of them in red states. And number three, the lowest 
unemployment rate in 54 years. So what are, so what are they talking about? They're talking about revenge against the Democrats. They're talking about uh, all these silly things like M&Ms and, and, and gas stoves and all of that. And they are still talking about making abortion illegal nationally. And they are also talking about letting, you know, even making gun, gun, guns, guns even more accessible. In Texas, they actually passed a law saying that people who have been convicted of domestic abuse can now carry guns. And domestic abuse and domestic problems are some of the number one killers of women and children. But yet they want the, the people who have been convicted of domestic violence to be able to make it easier for them to carry guns. And this week there was a picture captured of some of the Republican Congress people in the House actually wearing pins in the shape of an AR-15. Because that's what they're all about. It has nothing to do with saving people's lives, especially their children's lives who have been slaughtered in these schools. It's only about giving more and more and more and more gun access. So that is where the Republicans are coming from. And this is what we're talking about because it's not, it's, it's, it's not just crazy. It's dangerous. Absolutely dangerous. Now, last Thursday, which was yesterday, the, the House voted to remove Minnesota representative, House representative Elon Omar from her seat on the House Foreign Affairs, Affairs Committee over her past con- controversial comments about Israel. Now, some of the things that she said were kind of controversial, and both Democrats and Republicans kind of said, no, 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 no. And she issued a strong, sincere apology. She said that, she was talking about the lobbyists for Israel, saying it was all about the Benjamins, and she said a little bit about how the Israelis are actually have apartheid against their Palestinian neighbors. And and so so what she said was true, but in in this country you don't say things against Israel, and so people that's what's the, that that's the problem, that's the problem. and that's what she exposed. Right. <laughs> Even when Israel is wrong, you don't say anything right. against I mean, that, them. I think we need to be real clear about that. I mean, not piling on Israel, but what Pam just said uh, puts it on the nails it on the head. Right, is, is that it is an over way beyond oversensitivity. Mm-hmm. The, the Israeli lobby is extremely powerful. If you if you criticize it, and especially when you're coming from a, a, a black woman, a Muslim. Well, and, and that's what she said. She said mm-hmm. That's what the problem is. And, right. she's after, and to criticize Israel about their policies against the Palestinians, the, that, what she's saying, that is exactly true. It's, it's true what she's saying. It is true, it is true so what she's saying. What she's being that she's, that, and, and so, but, but she did apologize. She, right. she, I, she realized that as a public figure, maybe it was a little bit beyond right. the pale for her to say those things as a public figure. Uh, not that they were wrong, but maybe she shouldn't have been so strong as a public right. figure. And she gave a heartfelt, true apology. And also, that's not why, just real quick, I'm sorry, and I was reading this somewhere too, but this is not, they were after her before she oh, yeah. made Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. So, I, this, mm-hmm. this, this, they were just looking, this was this was an action in search of a reason. Right. You know, they, they, they said, okay, we have to put some. we can't say we're firing her because she's a black Muslim. Right. We're taking her off the committees because she's a black Muslim female. So they said, well, let's do, oh, huh, this, that mm-hmm. gave, and where she made a mistake was that gave an easy target. Right, those right. Because they, they could, t- they could, Hang it on that. That is not why she was exactly, exactly. Because Lauren Boebert has said in public, "I called her a terrorist because she's a Muslim." And 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 Representative Omar said they don't like me because I am black, 
I am a woman, I am a Muslim, and I am a refugee, and I was born in Africa. That's why they don't like me, but that's exactly why they need my voice, because I, I have a voice from a completely different perspective that no one else in the in the Congress has. And people have circulated her speech where she was so upset, because what she also said says, I'm an American. But yeah, but that's, that's what she said. She is an American. She is an American. She she came over here, I think she was nine, mm-hmm. nine years old when, when they finally escaped the refugee camp in Kenya and got over here. And so as soon as she was old enough, she had been in America long enough, and probably at age 18, she became an American citizen. So uh, John McCain was born overseas, although in Panama they considered that he was on U.S. Right, territory. Yes, yeah. But I think Mitt Romney was born born in Mexico, I believe. I think you're right. But his parents were American, so mm-hmm. that's different. Right. But the point is, is that if whether you are native-born or whether you are naturalized, you are an American. And the only thing a natural... Jennifer Granholm was born in Canada. She's a naturalized citizen because uh, they wanted her to think about running for president, but she can't because she's a naturalized citizen. Same with Ted Cruz. He's a naturalized citizen. I think one of his parents is American. But the whole point is the only the only thing a naturalized citizen cannot do that a native-born citizen can do is run for president. That is the only thing they can do. Everything else, they can, of course, and then they can't be vice president either because they're in, in line for the presidency. So any, anything that's in line for the presidency, Speaker of the House and, and vice president and all of that, a, a, natural, a naturalized citizen cannot do. But everything else, they are 100% American. And AOC was livid because when, when, she, when she got to the mic Say yesterday. Not everybody knows Okay, AOC. okay AOC is Alexandria or Ocasio-Cortez, who is the representative from New York, and she is Puerto Rican, and uh, she said they are, they they are afraid of women of color. That's what they are afraid of. They hate us, and for their, for them to take off Ilhan Omar for some statements that she made that may have been misplaced, but for what she apologized. Meanwhile, my life has been threatened by some of these very people um, here sitting here right now. They have threatened my life, and they're still sitting here, and they are put on the best committees at the highest level. That's critical, and that's, that's very critical mm-hmm. because that's that's literal. Exactly. She's not saying figuratively. They they were coming to. Look for right, her, right. Kill her. That's right. And just like I talk about my pants, but they were they were high, she and her staff were hiding under their desk, and if they had found her, they would, would have, have killed, killed her. her. That's and right. They were led to that desk by these representatives. That's right. Who encouraged it, and for them to be, we're well, not going to repeat what you said, but mm-hmm. for them to be allowed. But this is what I'm talking about—the hypocrisy. Yeah, exactly. And and because yesterday McCarthy said, well, there's some other committee she could serve on, but she shouldn't be on the Foreign Affairs Committee because they get sensitive material. And so that's just going back to say she's a she, she's she's a foreigner and she's a Muslim, so she can't have sensitive she material. Can't be trusted, and right. she can't be trusted. And there are people who are sitting in Congress right now who feel that Muslims should not serve in Congress, and that if you don't, and I said this in a, a recent article on our Substack publication about the difference between swearing and affirming when you take the oath of office, you do not have to swear. On a, on a Bible, you do not have to swear on any religious document. You can affirm on the uh, the uh, coloring that your five year old brought home from kindergarten. You can swear on that piece of paper. But there, there are some these, and, I, and I'm going to say it, they are white supremacist Christo fascists that who have said out loud, no one should serve in Congress unless they swear on a Bible. But yet, these are the same people who are breaking their oath of defending the Constitution first and foremost. So, to, so to come back to that, because this leads into my my other point that oh, the when the House took place and, and most of these crazy far 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 right people 
started getting all this power. Everybody said, well, where are the moderate Republicans? Maybe they can do something and kind of tamp them down. No, the vote, the vote to oust Omar was 218 to 211 and fell strictly along power lot, party lines with one GOP member voting present. That means the moderate Republicans voted to oust her also. And the, the thing that's the, the hypocrisy comes from the fact that this is all revenge politics. They are mad. The Republicans are mad because the Democrats removed Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosart from their committee standings when the Democrats had the majority. But the, both Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosart actually said videos and said, we're ready to kill all Democrats. We're ready to kill AOC. We're ready to kill, kill Nancy Pelosi. They are putting out videos of them say, threatening to kill their colleagues, but that's not bad enough. Okay? That's why when you talk about the moderates, and I wish many in the media would get that message because they talk about the the moderates versus the conservatives, and that's not the case. Mm-hmm. The, the crazies are not conservative. The conservatives would get should be getting upset about this because those are people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, etc. They're the ones who they are calling the conservative wing of the party. No, they are crazy. They are not. So what you have, and, I, and I and I keep saying this. Not only crazy, they are white supremacists. Well, no, no, but that's further than crazy. Right, but but they're, 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 well, exactly. they have an ideology, mm-hmm. and, and the and the the point is is that what you have is you have that far right wing, and then you have the followers. But forget when they're talking about can't the moderates save us? The moderates are the one who gave them the keys. Right, exactly. They were on only occasion we had, for example, when Romney did stand up for a while. One one, one, and, one time. One time, and, and a, one or maybe a few others, but by and large, every time, and it keeps on getting pointed out when these things happen, when they, there's not a peep. And if they do make a peep, the few that, that dare to, including Kevin McCarthy, mm-hmm, after mm-hmm. January 6th, that it's ridiculous, they quickly came back into line. Right, exactly. And, and these are all the quote-unquote moderates who just let this happen with Trump, etc. And the ones we're calling Trump, he's dangerous, he'll never get me. All of them. All of them. Rolled in the line when it came time and have not stood up. So you cannot, not only can you not depend on the moderates, I would not, moderates stand up for something. Right. Position. These people are just basically gumbies. They just roll. So you have the, you know, you said the, the white, new white nationalist, crystal facts, but you have that far right wing of the party. And then you have those who follow them. And that's what you have with the Republican Party. But this thing about as if there's an actual big division, they keep on saying this div- If there was a division, like Pam just said, well, then how come they have these huge votes where there's hardly any dissension? Right. The only, time, the, the only time recently, Mitt, Mitt Romney was the only Republican to vote for something against Trump when all the rest of the Republicans did not. And then Mitt Romney also... When Katanji Brown Jackson was finally voted in as the Supreme Court justice, after the vote, every single Republican turned their back and left the room, except for Mitt Romney. While the Democrats were giving her an applause for the vote, Mitt Romney stood there and, and, and applauded also. And, and it was, you could just see it. They literally turned their back and walked out after giving her all this grief. And the other big example of that was when John McCain, who was dying, he was dying. He flew from Arizona to um, Washington, D.C. with a thumbs down to save the ACA. That was the vote that saved the Affordable Care Act. And he was literally on his deathbed. But he got, he was probably rich enough to get a, a private plane. But he still got out of his bed, flew from Arizona to D.C. to make that one vote. And that's when you could actually say there was a division in the party. Right. Because he, because even though he was, 
was the one that stood up, but others stood up with him. So there was a division. When Reagan was president, when Bush was president, there were divisions amongst the, between the, not just the Republicans and the Democrats, but within the Republican Party. And like right. you said, the, that was probably the last time with McCain mm-hmm. flu, where you they, you could really point to a division where some where Republicans would not go for that, and they had to bring him in, and he lent his support to get that across the line. But to a group of Republicans, he wasn't the only Republican who voted for it that they ever could have made it. But after that, it, but his was a deciding vote. Oh, oh, no, I'm not taking yeah. away the enforcement. Yeah. deciding mm-hmm. vote. My point is that there, there was one group who went for and one right. who didn't. There's no longer right. a group who will stand up. Right, the they group. won't. They won't mm-hmm. do it anymore. You, you couldn't have somebody like McCain come in and, and say now, okay, there are those of us amongst the Republicans who will go with the, with the death sale, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who will support something that's saying, not anymore. Right. They all take their marching orders. Right. So, again, this is re- re- revenge politics, if you can call it politics, because Kevin McCarthy is also made because for the January 6th special committee to investigate the uh, the insurrection on the Capitol, he, as the Republican in the House, voted for, he wanted Jim Jordan and people like that on the committee. And Nancy said, oh, no, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh, we're not going to have him. And so she gave gave him a chance to nominate some other people, and he refused. And so she was the one who got Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger to be, you know, as Republicans. So it was bipartisan, but it wasn't the people that, McCarthy would have chosen. Right, same Republicans. He wanted the crazies on there. And she said no. And so on on the whole, it technically was a bipartisan committee, but it wasn't the people Kevin McCarthy wanted. So he's still mad about that. So, and he's also very mad because of the success of the public hearings and the fact that it was so successful. And the reason why, one of the reasons it was so successful was because it didn't have the crazies on there screaming and yelling all the time. So that, 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 that's a hypocrisy. The other hypocrisy, and this happened yesterday, was the, the Democrat, the Republicans are trying to get the Democrats to pledge against socialism. And so one of the House Republicans is, are trying to get uh, the Democrats to take a pledge that they, that they deny socialism without, they don't know what real socialism is. They have no idea. And so the Republican, uh, asked, uh, asked, um, uh, Maxine Waters, well, don't you know what Kim Jong Il and uh, Putin and she and he named some other uh, dictator? What do they have in common? Maxine Waters said Trump, <laughs> and everybody laughed. Even the person who was who was asking the question, because he, Trump is locked, locked right. was was all of them He's locked, locked up. But when they when they, uh, the Dem, I mean the Republicans, I should say the conservatives, always cry socialism when it's something that's going to help the people. And th- and I would insert also that because as you say most of them don't know what socialism is, but it's beyond that because a lot of them actually do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The problem is they but they know it's a what do you call it? a trigger word? It's a trigger word. Mm-hmm, they know mm-hmm. that those followers will many of who are idiotic, uninformed. I right? Idiotic is not the rest word. Who are uninformed and don't know. They know when they hear certain words, they go ballistic. Mm-hmm. So when you call something socialism. Just like you call them communists, mm-hmm. they don't know what it is. Right, and, but they don't know mm-hmm. that their leaders said this is a socialist thing. Oh, that's bad. They have no idea, no idea what, what it is. is. And what Harry um, Harry Truman said this in in 1952. He said socialism is what they called pu- public power. Socialism is what they called social security. Socialism is what they called farm price supports. See, all this happened in the 30s, and the the conservatives were mad about everything in the New Deal. So Harry Truman continued, socialism is what they call bank deposit insurance. Socialism is what they call the growth of free and independent labor organizations. And so anything that helps the people 
they call socialism. And I want to recommend that everyone who's listening to this, who goes on the Substack that you follow, Professor Heather Cox Richardson. She has a Substack called Letters from an American. And she is number one in her category. Number one of everybody on Substack in her category of American history. And this is what she said in one of her recent posts. When Republicans warn of socialism, they are not talking about actual Socialism, which is an economic system in which the means of production, that is the factories and industries, are owned by the people. In practical terms, that means they are owned by the government. What politicians mean when they cry socialism in America today is entirely different. It is a product of the years immediately after the Civil War when black men first got the right to vote. And I'm going to remind everybody, in the 19th century, the Republicans are more akin to what the Democrats are today. And the Democrats were the ones who were racist and, and, and the Confederacy and all of that. So remember that. After the 15th Amendment was passed in 1870, protecting the right to vote for everyone, elite white Southerners changed their approach. They, assist, they insisted that they objected to black voting, not on racial grounds, but because black men were voting for programs that redistributed wealth from hard-working white people to black people. Since hospitals and roads would cost tax dollars and white people were the only ones with taxable property in the Reconstruction South. I wonder why that was. Poor black voters were instituting, one popular magazine wrote, socialism in South Carolina. And that's exactly what they're talking about today, is that I now switch, now the Republicans are calling everything, because they called the Affordable Care Act socialism. They they didn't vote for the infrastructure bill because they called that socialism. But now that the contracts are coming, mostly to red states, all of a sudden, these people are showing up with the rib- ribbon cuttings. But they didn't vote for it because they called it socialism. So regulation of business and promotion of infrastructure is not, in fact, the international socialism today's Republicans claim. According to Abraham Lincoln, who first articulated the principles of the Republican Party, the old Republican Party, and under whom the party invented the American income tax, he said, President Lincoln said, the legitimate object of government is to do for a community of people whatever they need to have done, but cannot do so well for themselves. Those things included, he said, public roads and highways, public schools, charities, pauperism, orphanage, estates of the deceased, and the machinery of the government itself. And so when, so just keep in mind, when the Republicans cry socialism, they have no idea what they're talking about. They're just trying to scare people. Right. And I think the move on, and also the other thing, well, talk, just mm-hmm. make an introduction because you want to switch over to Right. So we're going to switch really quickly in our last few minutes to the debt ceiling. And again, the Republicans are trying to confuse people and scare people about the debt ceiling. And they are saying they are not going to um, issue a clean debt ceiling bill. They want to um, tie the debt ceiling vote to uh, spending, yeah. and especially Medicare and, and Social yeah, Security. Social Security. Yeah, so can talk about that? Yeah, because well, first of all, just to um, clarify for what, what the debt ceiling is. Right. And so the debt ceiling, which is also known as a debt limit, it's a cap on the total amount of money that the federal government is authorized to borrow via the U.S. via U.S. Treasury securities, and such as bills and savings bonds to fulfill its financial obligations. Because the United States runs budget deficits, it must borrow huge sums of money to pay its bills. But the main thing to understand, and the thing that President Biden and others have we put that message across, is that the, the, you raise the debt limit to pay bills that have already come due. This is not money for future programs. This is not money for Social Security, for any program that the Republicans might not like, mm-hmm. anything that they don't want spending on. And what President Biden has said is, you're welcome to come 
and we can sit down and talk about the budget. We can talk about what we both think should be in the budget, mm-hmm. what shouldn't be in the budget, where we should be spending, where we should cut spending, etc. We can talk about that. But what we cannot talk about is how not to pay the bills that we owe. It's just like you. If you have put things on your credit card, if you had to take out loans for this or that, like we had to take out a loan for our house renovation. So we have credit cards to pay because we've already put the money on the credit cards. We have loans to pay because we already got the loan. Then all of a sudden, next tomorrow, we say, we're not going to pay any of that anymore. That's, again, that's what I started to say is that you put it in a, on a personal level. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. What would you, that do you, to you, your you finances? Can't, you can't, it's not just with your finances. Is that if you owe somebody or if you owe an institution, you can't negotiate. I mean, you may be able to get a payment plan. Right. <laughs> Or we with somebody, you know, like, like Cedric says, pay on it. Right. <laughs> but if you owe, you owe. Right. You cannot go, you cannot go to a store and buy all these, put, put, and buy all these things and then come back and say, I don't think I should have to pay. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the, in the debt ceiling and when the, when with the, on the national and global scale to understand is if we, once you put that at risk, Okay, it, it's it's, it's, that's why it's called the full faith and credit of the United right, States. Because, because the rest of the world, right. the that, that when, that these debts that you have incurred, you are going to pay. And so when you throw the global economy at risk at that point, there are so many things that can come due at that point. And the problem is that they're trying, they, they're without even, and I do believe many of them don't even fully understand right. what's going to happen when they do this. And, but they don't and care they, when they, they do. They don't care. Well, some of them, if they knew, right. other ones, I think, I don't know if they fully know. Mm-hmm. But other ones that do know, and you're right, they, a lot of them don't care. But, but what it follows in line with, again, is their over, I wouldn't call it a strategy, but it's how they operate, is chaos by any means. Right. That's when you start getting into QAnon and the absolute, and that's beyond the, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, the, you know, the, um, white supremacist crystal fascist, but that's beyond, that's a whole other thing. Because that's when you start getting where it is crazy. Because they're looking at it and saying, anarchy, basically. Right. They're looking at anarchy. And, they, and their point of view is that however, we want to bring this house down. down. And what they don't understand, there's two things that they don't understand. Or they understand it, but they won't say it. Social Security and, and Medicare do not add to the debt. They are they are funded elsewhere. Number one, number two. It's in the Fourteenth Amendment that the debt of the United States will be, will paid. be paid. That's in the Fourteenth well, Amendment. Well, that's a discussion where they're saying the president may have right. heard the last of that. But, right, but he may actually have the ability just to do it without. Right, because it says it says that in the Fourteenth well, Amendment. Right, and if that's the case, he may be able to supersede and go around. Right, but I mean, and the thing is that when you start talking about when you're messing with whether or not you want to pay, and the, oh, that's the other thing I started to say. Like you brought up social. Security and Medicare, where they don't want to pay. But the other problem with that, because they, they say, okay, we do this, we want to balance the budget. Well, now well, their God, Trump, came and said, don't touch right. Social Security and Medicare. Well, it shouldn't be a surprise to them to pull the rug out from under. They're battling the ramparts, carrying up torches and, and storming the doors, mm-hmm. saying, we're going to tear apart Social Security. And Trump said, oh, wait, don't do that because that's popular. Right. So now what's happening, they don't know. So when they're being pushed, what exactly do you want to they, cut? They, they can't. Don't know they don't know because, they, because there's nothing left. Mm-mm. So they don't. So the, all the so all they have is they're stuck in a corner because now they ha- they can't back up because that that's reverse momentum. They can't say never mind. But now they're saying we just have to. We'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. But now just you don't pay the bills and then we'll figure how to do this later. But like they like everything else. It's like they've said. It's it's one thing to raise Cain when you're in the opposite when you're in the minority. Right. 
and you don't have to make anything. You can just raise and stop your foot. Mm-hmm. That now that they have to actually they govern, govern, which they have no idea how to do. You can't govern like this, and they're setting themselves up. Are setting the country up for a huge reckoning mm-hmm. because they they're willing, like others have said. They they've threatened this before, right. but they all but they back down. But they back down when they still had enough semi sane Republicans to say, "What well, we can't do." That. Right, and and it's so funny. Well, it's, it's so funny when I and when I say funny about the Republicans, it's funny and scary. Before the new Congress took uh, started on January third. Kevin McCarthy. On the first day of Congress, okay. we're going to re- we're going to stand there and read the entire Constitution word for word from beginning to end. Well, of course, he never did that because it took him five days to get to Gavel. Right. But on the other hand, if the, he had done that, when they got to the Fourteenth Amendment, they would have had to read out loud that part in the Fourteenth right. Amendment it that says it, the, the right. debt will be That's paid. Right. And that's because we're about out of mm-hmm. time. But the other thing I want to say is because Wednesday, yesterday, Wednesday, President Biden and uh, Speaker McCarthy met. And Biden and re-emphasized to him, you mm-hmm. know, this is not, and I'm getting so mad when I still see some newspapers talk about negotiation, because they still, and, it's and not Biden emphasized, you, this is not negotiable. And what's interesting about that is when Biden is telling him this, mm-hmm. it's become so clear because Biden realizes he's not talking with Kevin. He's talking, with, he's basically talking with the hand under the puppet. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I mean, because Kevin has to, Kevin has no bargaining authority. Kevin has, Kevin, they just send Kevin in there. And then Kevin knows he has to go back into the den. Right. And say, well, he won't bend. Mm-hmm. And they just, they just throw him back. <laughs> and, and, and Biden's saying, you can throw him in his bed. Yeah, we, we are not negotiating. <laughs> not gonna go, because they tried that with Obama. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when they learned. They mm-hmm. said, you cannot do that right. because right. of what they will do. So. so we're at the end of this week. We get so excited because these topics are so exciting to talk about. But we want to invite you to uh, share the podcast that and, and let people know that it's available on all of the podcast outlets. And remind you that the podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. And you can find out all about our products and services for independent authors and creative and solo professionals at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. And we'll talk to you next week. Yep, talk to you next week.